for today for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Appreciate this choir, this music ministry this morning. I'm going to ask you to reach for your Bibles today, please, if you don't mind. And I want us to go to the book of Matthew, chapter 14. Matthew, chapter 14. And I am going to conclude this One Nation Under God series I've been trying to conclude for the last week or so. Bruce Deagle was with us a couple of weeks ago, and the last Sunday was my aim to conclude this series, but the Lord wanted to say something different, so I want to uh, conclude it today. I'm going to read to you this morning Matthew 14, verses 13 through 21. It records for us the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. It's quite possibly uh, my favorite miracle all the ones that we read about in Scripture that Jesus performed. Matthew chapter 14 this morning. I'm going to ask you if you found it today to stand with me, please, if you don't mind, as we read the Word of God together. You can follow along in your Bible, your electronic device, or on the screen behind me. Matthew chapter 14. This is the only miracle that all four the gospel writers recorded in Scripture. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of these men recorded this miracle. And here's what it says, beginning at verse 13. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. And he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. And then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. They took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. And more than likely, commentators and historians and theologians tell us that the crowd, if you count the wives and the children, was probably fifteen to 20,000 people that were fed that day. And I want to take just a few moments today. God... May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You can be seated this morning. Pastor Tony, thank you for helping me. And I want to speak to us today for just a few moments on this thought, keeping the main thing the main thing. And in the midst of a very chaotic, very troubled very uncertain and unsteady time that we are living in, it would be very easy to lose sight of what's important. 
it would be easy to turn all of our attention and all of our focus upon things that while they are important, they are not the most important thing. And in the midst of a very heated political race that's happening right now, if we're not careful, we could give all of our attention to that. In the midst of terrorism and violence and unnecessary bloodshed, it would be very easy to turn our attention on all of the, the crises that are going on in this world. If we're not careful, we could, we could spend a lot of time talking about planned parenthood and how evil and how vile it is that they would sell aborted babies for profit. We could talk about the Supreme Court's decision to make same-sex marriage lawful. Matter of fact, I just read this morning, Charisma News reported that a fundamental, very traditional Baptist church that was just recently at one time a part of the Southern Baptist Association, that they just voted this week to, if they feel necessary, to ordain gay ministers in their church. And while there is a lot of stuff that is going on, there's a lot of things right now in this world that are very unsettling, it's uncertain, and it causes some trepidation, and it causes a little bit of fear. If we're not careful, we will turn our attention on all of that stuff, and we will miss the main thing. So what is the main thing, Pastor? Let me begin by taking you back in history. On April the 11th, 1912, the great cruise ship, the Titanic, raised anchor from the depth of the sea. At 882 feet long, a gross tonnage of 46,328 pounds. Standing at 60 and a half feet tall, 59 and a half feet deep, and built at a cost, Brother Turpin, of $7.5 million. She set her course into history. With 2,000 207 people on board that day. She began what everyone thought would be a successful voyage. Just another routine voyage that surely could not fail. There was a problem. And if you know the story and the history of the Titanic, you know that on April the 14th, that great ship, thought to be formidable, sank to the depths of the sea. As I studied back on that moment in history, I found out that there were probably at least six different warnings that were sent to the Titanic 
on a couple of different occasions through the course of a few days. They were received by the Marconi wireless operator on that ship and they were relayed to the captain of the Titanic. And those warnings read something like this, Captain Titanic, westbound steamers have reported growlers, bergs, and field ice. At 42 degrees north to 51 degrees west, you need to be careful. There are other ships that have set anchor down. They're not moving any further. But all six of those warnings were ignored. They were thought not to be important enough to heed. By the time that fateful day was over. Those warnings that went unnoticed. Only 705 people survived. Which means that 1,502 people sank to a watery grave that day. But here's the truth. It didn't have to happen. And there is no doubt that as that ship was sinking, that the crew of that boat did everything they could possibly do to save every person that was perishing. There is no doubt that they exhausted every effort they possibly could to keep people from drowning. But in spite of their best efforts, people still lost their lives that day. The crew of that ship on that day had a mission. And that mission was to rescue every single person that they possibly could, regardless of their age, Regardless of their social status, regardless of their religious preference, their mission was to save every single person they possibly could. Not only did they have a mission, but there were methods that the crew of that ship used that day. There were life boats and life jackets and life preservers. Methods that they were using to help keep people from drowning. And here is the parallel that I'd like to draw this morning. That we as the church, the body of Christ as a whole, and individuals, Christians, we have a mission that has been given to us by God. And that mission is to do everything that we possibly can to rescue and reach people who are lost and far from God and drowning in the sin of this world. Now if you came today to hear a message to make you feel better, you might not be in the right place. 
If you came today for a, a, a sermon that will meet every need you have and make you feel better when you leave and take care of just you, you might not be in the right place today. Because here's the truth, and I'm going to lay some heavy stuff out today. The church has missed the boat, so to speak. The longer that we're here, the longer that the Lord tarries His coming, I'm talking about the church in general, the more the church has become self-absorbed and self-focused and internally focused instead of looking outside and understanding that there are people that are lost and far from God who need the hope of Jesus Christ. We have a mission. There are methods that we're using to reach people. But more than anything else, listen, we have been given a, a mandate from God to go into all the world and preach the gospel. What the gospel means? It means the good news. This is good news right here. What we're talking about today is good news for a bad world. To go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus left us a mandate to make disciples, to teach them, to observe everything that the Lord has commanded, to baptize them. It's a mandate from heaven. And here's the, the question that I must ask us today, that I must ask myself, that you must ask yourself, we must ask the church as a whole, are we fulfilling the mission that Jesus left us? Because here's the truth. If you think that the mission, and I'm not angry today. Just under, I'm not angry. I'm not upset with you. I'm not upset with me. I'm just, I'm very passionate today because I've been through this process of thinking the last several weeks. The Lord's just messing with me. If you think that, that, that the mission Jesus left us is to sit behind these stained glass windows and sing four songs and hear a three-point sermon and feel good every Sunday, you're sadly mistaken. That's not the mission Jesus left us. If you think that what we do on Sundays is the reason that Jesus died for the church, you're, you're sadly mistaken. Jesus didn't die for the church for us just to come in here and have good church services and to feel good when we leave. Jesus died for people that are lost and far from God, and He has commanded us to go into the world and tell them the good news. In a 21st century church, they understand, and Christian people that live right now, they understand, and we should understand, that the main thing it's not what's going on in Washington, D.C. I know that the political debate was so intriguing the other night. I mean, it, it's one of the highest 
rated political debates ever. And I know it was intriguing. So intriguing, I didn't even watch it. Caught bits and pieces. But the main thing is not who's going to be the next president. I'm not preaching politics. I'm going to tell you the truth today. I don't care who sits in that office. A man cannot fix the mess this world is in. And I don't care if they are the most conservative Republican, the most liberal Democrat, or a Tea Party or anything else. Washington does not have an answer for the mess that we find ourselves in right now. The main thing is not who's going to be the next president. I know you'll be glad when this series is over because you're sick of hearing the same stuff. I'll be glad when I'm done preaching it. The main thing is not what the Supreme Court has decided. Is it important? Yes, it's important. Does it have some ramifications on the church? Absolutely it does. Is it going to affect society and our culture? Sure it is. Should we care? Yes. Should we pray about it? Yes. Should we love people and embrace people regardless? Yes. But is it the main thing? No. I'm going to preach whether you help me or not today. The main thing is not how strong and how, how much funding and how violent that ISIS is. Is it bad? It's horrible. Should it bother us when we hear it? Yes, it should. Should it make you righteously indignant? Yes. Does it trigger these feelings in your flesh? You'd like to get a hold of some of those men and, and, and do some of the same thing? Yes. But is it the main thing? No. Does the fact that Planned Parenthood has these videos out that talk about them selling aborted babies for profit, should that make you so angry that you can't see straight? It should. Does that have some ramifications on our culture? Yes. But is it the main thing? No. It's the fact that we are trillions of dollars in debt as a nation. Is that a problem? Sure, it's a problem. Is that going to affect our children and our grandchildren? Yes. Is it the main thing? No. The 21st century church understands that the main thing is not politics, it's not religion, but the main thing is fulfilling the mission that Jesus left us to fulfill. And that mission is to reach a lost and a hurting world and to find people that are far from God and to tell them the good news and offer them a glimmer of hope and to tell them they don't have to live life like they've been living, that Jesus has a plan, that Jesus has a purpose, there's a love they can discover. That is the main thing.
The main thing is not do your children like you or not. The main thing is that you teach your children about Jesus Christ and how to live a life that's pleasing to God and whether they like you or not. Oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. Or like your rules or not. Or like your boundaries that you've set for them or not. The main thing is to help keep them from dying and going to a devil's hell for eternity. Whether they like it or not or agree with it or not, that's not the main thing. Their souls are the main thing. Nothing more and nothing less. That's what Jesus came to this world for. To reach people that are far from him and to love them into eternity with him. And the church, I find, man, I, I won't get through this whole thing. The church Pastor Jeremy, our priorities are out of order. The main thing is not how many people that we can pack into this building on Sundays. Oh gosh, I haven't been this mean since I've been here. Get ready. Well, Pastor, we know we report numbers to the state office and it needs to look good. The day we start caring more about numbers than we do about souls, we have missed the boat. It's not about how many people we can pack in here. It's not about how great the music is and we want it to sound good. It's not about how good I preach or how bad I preach. It's not about how many programs we can implement and kick off. The main thing is this. Are people finding Jesus? Well, Pastor, you know, you know that. We, we, we want to look good. Looks are so overrated. I mean, we, and if I've heard this once, I've heard it ten times since I've been here, not from people in this church. Well, you're the biggest building in town. And you're the biggest church in town. I've had somebody say this. We expect a little more from you. Seriously? Because I've got a big building? And because we've been known as the biggest church in town? You know what? I don't. I don't want to be known as the church with the biggest building. God, I'm about to preach right here. I don't want to be known as the biggest church in town. Well, pastor, what do you want our reputation to be? I want the reputation of this church to be, that's the place that when people come in, they find a new lease on life. When people walk in this building, they find a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the church in town that will take anybody, they'll take everybody, they'll embrace every man, every woman, every boy and girl. That's the church that preaches the truth of the gospel. That's the truth that preaches the love of God. That's the truth that preaches love and grace and mercy. Who cares how big our building is? Pastor, what'd you eat this morning? Cinnamon Toast Crunch, if you're wondering. We've missed it. Don't we talk about, listen, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm venting a little bit here. 
When we go to state meetings, you know what guys ask them? They don't ask how many people are getting saved. You know what they ask? How many are you running now? Who cares? Because here's the truth. If people are finding Jesus, the church is going to grow. We won't have to worry about it. And I'm certainly, Lord God, help me. I am not interested in swapping members. Oh, there'll be some times that we have to have transfer growth. There'll be folks that come from other churches. I don't have a problem with that at all. But if the, 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 the meat of a, of a church, its growth comes from members from other churches, that's not what I see in the Bible. Yeah, there'll be some growth that comes from there, but it ought to come from people that are finding the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I just say this? Stop praying for God to send lost people in the church. Boom, I just heard theological bubbles bust everywhere. He didn't tell us to pray the Lord of the harvest to send people into church. Listen, for the most part, lost people just are not going to wander into the church. Why would they? But what did he say? What did he tell us to pray? Pray that he would send workers into the harvest field. I'm only getting a little bit of help in here today. Because we've been spinning our wheels. Oh, God, send lost people in on Sunday. Oh, God, send lost people in on Sunday. That's not the correct way to pray. What did he say? Luke 10, 2. He said the harvest is plentiful. But laborers are few. There, listen, there's not a shortage of people that are far from God. But there is a shortage of people that will go out there and tell them about Jesus. Pray that God would send workers. Well, Pastor, who, who, who are we going to pray for God to send? You! Well, Pastor, I, I can't go be a missionary. I can't leave. You, you don't have to leave Pulaski. You don't have to do it. God, I want you to send me this week, and I want you to use me in my workplace. God, I want you to send me this week, and I want you to use me right in the middle of Food City. God, I want you to send me this week and, and let me cross the paths of people that are lost and far from you, that are hurting, that are broken. God, I want you to send me and use me. Is everybody okay? I understand there's programs that we do and, and services we offer and big days we have to target people that are far from God. And we're fishers of men and we bait the hook and we reel people in. But for the most part, how's it supposed to happen? happen because I preach a sermon and he sings three or four good songs? Pastor, you saying people can't find Christ in our services? I didn't say that. But if we're simply sitting around waiting for lost people just to wander in and pack the pews, that's not going to happen. You don't have any faith, Pastor. No, I know what the Bible says. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest. He said, workers out into the field. Do you realize, listen, that America is now the fourth largest spiritually unreached mission field in the world today. The fourth. They used to send missionaries out of here. I mean, we were sending missionaries to other countries. Now you know what they're doing? They're sending missionaries from other countries to America. 
because they understand and they know that this nation is lost. So we're not sending people out anymore. They're sending people in to reach our country. Let me get to this story for just a brief moment. I'm, 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 all, I'm all close. Pastor Tony, come play. Which place? <clears throat> let, let, me, let me take this story quickly. It's 12 o'clock. Give me five minutes. I want to show you something. That Jesus takes five loaves and two fish. And he by feeding this multitude of people, he reveals to us some principles of reaching lost people, of keeping the main thing the main thing. Listen, the main thing is not you getting a pay raise. The main thing is not how successful your family can be. The main thing is making sure that you don't reach everybody else and lose your own family. So watch this. I'm going to show you one principle. And I didn't mean to go that long, but Jesus in this version that Matthew relates to us has just gotten wind that his cousin John the Baptist has been beheaded in prison. See, John the Baptist had been thrown into prison because he had taken a stand for truth. Because he had looked at King Herod and had told him it's not lawful for you to take your brother Philip's wife Herodias and make her your own, and he did anyways. And John's sitting in prison because of that. And King Herod has this big birthday party one day. And Herodias' daughter comes in and dances for the king. Read the story. And dances so seductively in such a way that every ember of King Herod's being is burning with lust. He looks at the girl and he says, your dance has so moved me. He said, you, you can ask me for anything you want up to half my kingdom and I'll give it to you. You've danced in such a way that has just stirred me. She goes back to her mother Herodias and says, the king's offered me half of his kingdom. If I want it, what should I ask for? She said, I want to tell you, ask the king for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. She goes in. She makes the request. And the king is disturbed and he's concerned. He was mad at John the Baptist, but he wasn't mad enough to take his head off. But at that point, he'd made a promise, and he sent somebody in. They take his head off, put it on a platter, and they deliver it to the mother. The Bible said when Jesus heard that, that he went to a deserted or a lonely place to be by himself. But the Bible said that when the multitudes heard it, heard it, they followed him on. He took a boat and he crossed over. But when the multitudes heard where he was, they, they traveled by foot from the cities to where he was. And when he came out, he saw the multitudes, the Bible said. He was moved with compassion 
for them. And he healed their sick. See, it's always been about people with Jesus. It's never been about a program. It's always been about people when it comes to Jesus. And if we ever get to the place that we forget it's about people, we're in big trouble. Now watch. And the Bible lets us know. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a, a point of a point. I had five points in this thing, but you're not going to sit for five points. I'm not going to preach five points. The Bible tells us a couple of different times there was a great multitude by the turban of people. A great multitude of people. Do you understand that this world is full of people? There was a great multitude of people that day, Brother Kenny Hancock, that came to Jesus that were spiritually needy. That's why when he saw them, he was moved with compassion for them. That word compassion means that the, the innermost part of his being yearned for sympathy. They were spiritually needy. And then just a, a, a few hours later, we're going to see that they're physically needy. They're hungry. They had an emptiness in their lives spiritually. They had an emptiness in their lives physically. Do you understand the world is full? Listen, it's the only point I'm going to give you. The world is full of people that are so spiritually in need. Do you understand there are multitudes of people that are in need, that are void of fulfillment in their lives, that are broken, that are hurting, that are lost. Do you realize that, that, that people with no religion now account for 14% of the population in this country? There are 110 million unchurched people in America. Each year, each year ends with 50 million more lost people in the world than when the year began. So that means that by the time January 1 or December 31st gets here, there'll be 50 million more lost people than when the year began on January 1. Get this one. I'm going to close and leave you with this. It's said that every day in our world, that 250,000 people die. And only one-fourth of those 250,000 people who die know Christ. You ready for the math right here? I, I did it this week. That means that tonight, 187,500 people will spend their first night in hell. That's staggering to me. 187,000. <laughs> I ask you to stand with me this morning, please. tell you. That if 187,500 people spend their first night in hell, doesn't at least bother you a little bit? Something's wrong. 
And really, Brother Stout, it ought to do more than bother us. It ought to stir us to not just pray, but to figure out a way that we can do something to stop the spiritual casualties that happen every single day. I came this morning with a message. I didn't come with a plan yet as to how we're going to do it here in this part of our, of our area. But if we continue to sit passively by, And if we continue just to come to church and do what we do, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Somehow we have got to start caring more about people that are on a, that are on a sinking boat in this world. I just came today to remind somebody that the main thing is not what you thought the main thing was. Well, there's some important things that are going on, but the main, the main thing, we've missed the main thing. And that main thing is people that are dying and going to hell. Just bow your heads for a moment, please. <clears throat>